Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World. I am Mike Delisio, host of The Mortar and Pestle podcast, and we are going to be doing a different style of episode today. Um, as we slightly review a lot of the content that we've already covered on prior episodes. We had the chance to discuss marketing your practice. Um, We obviously looked into the future and and saw what the triad model represented to customize medication. Um, We sat down with business experts, physicians, and obviously members of ours to share a bit more about what they do and how they approach compounding in general. Um, This is going to be a different perspective because it is just Sebastian and I um, basically sitting down and talking about a consultative approach to patient care um, and how to wrap all this education that we've tried to bring to you in the first few episodes and kind of wrap it together and really give you a different perspective in what this means and how to approach patient care. So Sebastian, welcome. Um, I feel like you're going to be our guest today in this subtle way of co-hosting this podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to today's episode. So yeah, like I said, a different approach, uh, but an opportunity to get some of your insight as well. Um, Your knowledge, your experience, I know we touched on this in episode one, um, based on the fact that you were a compounding pharmacist for many years, um, your education, your expertise, not only with PCCA, but um, your experience with functional medicine, um, and then thinking about a lot of what our customers do, a lot of what our pharmacists do. Um, I'm going to kind of pick your brain and like to get a better impression in terms of how do people approach patient care in a consultative way? How do you integrate consultation to your practice where it can not only just be for the sake of patient advice and patient help, but also add to your business model as well for what you provide as a hybrid dispensary? I think where we have to start off is a majority of our of compounders are already doing it, they just don't realize that they're doing it. Um, Compounding lends itself to clinical services, mainly because you actually have to elicit a lot more information from the patient. You actually are working with the physicians primarily in changing the therapy. And so it's a more in-depth approach to patient care almost right away because you're going to be making recommendations that are different than your standard of care. You're generally working with the patient a lot more closely And you have to get more details from the patient so that you can actually make the compound more suitable. Individualized uh, care, uh, individualized medicine, effectively it's individualized clinical consultation. And a majority of our members, as I said, they're already doing this, but they're not charging for it or they're not thinking that they are capable of doing it. And so it's a twofold uh, piece. It's bridging bridging the gap between understanding what you're actually capable of doing and what you are actually doing, and then actually putting a charge value to it and actually increasing your bottom line. Every single pharmacist, every single pharmacist, every single pharmacy staff member is already involved in this. Every time you pick up the phone, you're involved in uh, consultative services. What do you need? How can I help you? Is there anything we can improve upon? Is, Is the segue into the actual the actual outcome for the patient. And that is where we begin. Um, 
in our pharmacy, it was it took a long time. I I remember this convincing our owner to actually start charging took a long time because it, it, the idea of charging for your time is such a foreign concept. We get paid to fill scripts. This is where the business model for a majority of large scale uh, retail pharmacy comes from. You're able to charge back to insurance companies for medication management or to uh, pri private or social plans and always billing for services. But where we talk about a clinical consultation practice is we're actually taking our knowledge, our expertise, our, our, our breadth of information and focusing that time and that energy onto a specific patient and then burdening that cost back to the patient per se. But we can't think of it as I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make people pay for me. So much as you want to provide a value service to your patients for your clinical expertise. And so I think the the first part is looking at it as are you capable? And and we always say this within within PCCA. The the level of knowledge of our compounding pharmacists is is, is tremendous. Not only are they extremely well versed in their specific niche, be it wound, be it pain, be it HRT, vet, but they're also more in touch with their patients. They're spending time at the counter. They're spending time on the phone. They're spending time um, working through all of these problems. And this can actually build their level of knowledge. And then, of course, we've got the PCD team, which they can back them up. And we can always assist in that. But the key is, first and foremost, is deciding which clinical service that the, the particular staff member wants to engage in. I, I always say, start with something you're passionate about. I'd, I love the pain market. Um, I stand and talk to patients about their pain and about their management. And I was really happy to do that. And I'd be making recommendations. And then the first thing is, could you write this down for me? And as soon as someone says that to you, you should be thinking to yourself, this is a formal opportunity for me to spend some additional time with this patient. And I should actually be taking this and taking this as an opportunity to start expanding my clinical consultative practices. As soon as you do it once, you will find that there's a huge market for it. Um, I, I was thinking about this this morning and people love telling you what their problems are at the pharmacy. They really do. I, I know Mike, we're, we're, we're talking about my experience, but I, I can probably get everyone who's listening to relate to this. Like people come in and they just, they want to tell you their problems. They're desperate for someone to listen. And that's where the first step comes in is saying, I would love to help you. Let's schedule a set time, talk about your particular issues and get people to start giving you the information. And we've developed a whole bunch of tools within PCD, uh, within PCCA that are available online that you can actually download and use as uh, patient, patient assessment forms. You can actually use those and just get patients to start filling them out. Get them early from the patient, review them, and then schedule a time where you can sit down. And then you can review it, go through, make additional notes. And that's, that's really where you can start with with uh, adopting the clinical services. And I've, I've been talking a lot and Mike looks like he's got a question for me. So, No, I do. Um, but I, I am obviously putting myself in the shoes of our listeners and I'm trying to think um, of potentially those that are first starting off and they don't necessarily have that baseline education or base, baseline background to this type of consultative approach. 
Um, what are some recommendations that you have for where people can start off? Um, it could be through education through us or potentially education on, through a third party. Uh, who would you recommend? Where, do, where should people begin their journey to expanding their background, their knowledge, so they can apply that consultative approach in the right way? We always would recommend finding a reliable source of education. Um, I, of course, we need CEs within our uh, clinical practice, both for uh, registered technicians and pharmacists. So anytime you can find CE content to fill out your CE requirements. But then the next one is going to be, uh, obviously, PCCA is probably primarily when you're focusing on compounding aspects. Um, when you start going down that path, you actually find that there's other resources that are um, running in parallel. So places like A4M, Tarsus, Medi uh, Tarsus Medical, um, they're a brilliant source of CE, CME, and they actually are much in alignment with compounding. Our clinical services team at PCD actually have uh, multiple backgrounds, so you could actually find different PCD staff that can point in the right direction, which books to read, um, which seminars to attend, which one would be most appropriate to gain the most information. If you're looking at uh, getting into the nutritional market, there's Wellness Works actually has some programs and some education content. If you're looking outside of the PCCA world uh, for education and content, this is where I would actually contact with PCD staff that are experts in that field, and they can make recommendations after you've gotten the groundwork through your, your from a clinical um, compounding perspective. So, for example, um, pain management, and so I can talk about this one. We've done pain management seminars multiple times through PCCA. We actually talk about formulations as well as application and different uh, different options within the compounding world. To expand on your repertoire, the very first thing I would do is actually look at different modalities of treatment and where clinical compounding can augment or enhance that treatment. So for example, uh, understanding the physiotherapist world when they're talking about phonophoresis, iontophoresis, uh, infrared care, laser, um, laser treatment, and understanding where compounding can fit in and assist. Ask the physiotherapist what they would like to have added, where they can actually improve, and where a compounder can actually become uh, a part of the collaborative approach. Same thing, you can do this with, um, for example, different, not only physiotherapists, but we're talking about pain management physicians. Uh, anesthesiologists tend to do a dual role. They'll do anesthesiology and pain. You'll actually get pain specialists. Even getting so far as into looking at uh, alternate therapy, so chiropractors, massage therapists, and finding out their mo different modalities and become a well-rounded person so you understand everyone's stake in the treatment of that patient, you can actually come up with some different options for those, for those patients. Once you've gone out and you understand what other people's needs are, then you can come back and speak to, say, for example, uh, Andy Glassnap within our team. He's a pain management specialist. Uh, I love the pain world. I know that you've You've got our entire team is very familiar with different pain compounds, but understanding even looking at different alternative options as well as new information that's coming down. And then finally, looking to someone like A4M. They actually have pain, pain and sports uh, therapy modules. 
And even understanding all of that information can lead you to become a more rounded care person so that when someone does walk in, you can actually say, have you tried? Where have, what was the success? Um, even recommending those different modalities within the clinical practice can be a huge benefit to you. You can't just, it can't just be drugs all the time. It can't just be pharmacotherapy all the time. That's not what people are coming for. They're looking, coming for a, a little bit more of a, a global understanding when they walk through the door. Just like HRT, they don't walk through the door and say, well, what hormones do I need? They say, well, what are, what else? And this is one of the best things about the HRT practice. It's expanded so much that we, we can get into the sex hormones. We talk about thyroid hormone. We talk about uh, the whole steroid or cortisol pathway. Then we start talking about uh, things like metabolic syndrome. And then we can actually extend that into diet and nutrition. And then we can extend that into, oh, have you thought about these other parts of healthcare? And where can we fit in? Uh, we've seen practices where they will bring in a nutritionist. They'll bring in physiotherapists. We've seen massage clinics that are attached to pharmacies where we can actually see uh, care being being shared amongst even the pharmacy practice. One of my favorite ones is people who are working in conjunction with fitness um, fitness trainers who will actually come up with movement and exercise plans for patients who have either uh, physical issues with pain or specifically they're trying to manage their weight, diabetic care. And you can see how it all starts integrating and becoming a, a more collaborative approach. So compounding lends itself to consultative services because it's individualized medicine and individualized care, but it's an extension because as healthcare professionals, we can become not only a source of information, we can become advocates and we can also become conduits into other modalities of treatment. It, it's it's funny because you, you think about the new year, um, you think about new opportunities. Everyone sits down. They they want to list their goals, their resolutions, their objectives, um, their wins from the year prior, their losses and their challenges that they they've encountered. But I I, I think that sometimes this kind of bleeds into the pharmacy as well because you do have patients that come in and that want to press that reset button. So how often does it or how frequent is it? that a patient comes in and says, you know what, I, I need to reassess my current lifestyle, my, my current well-being. Um, and then it could be an opportunity for you also as a pharmacist to look at nutrition, to look at nutri uh, nutrient depletion, to look at metabolic syndrome, to look at uh, functional medicine as a whole. And how do you lend yourself um, as a practitioner or as a professional at that point and provide a different approach to their life? And how do you kind of engage them in a different way? So obviously, New Year's resolutions are always the, the, the pre precipitation of change. It's New Year, new life, going to set my goals and away I go. Um, but I find in the pharmacy world, it's, it's daily. Usually people get bad news. When they're walking to a pharmacy, these are generally not healthy people who are coming in and looking for specific uh, changes. You know, they're coming in because they've just walked out of the doctor and they've been told something that has given them a pretty big road marker to you need to change and you need to change now. I, I'm a huge, huge, huge believer in the functional medicine ideology that best health comes with best nutrition and pharmacotherapy, specifically compounding, um, is an adjunct. It's not it, it primary, primarily 
intervention with drugs for these patients is is a small piece. And this is where one of the biggest biggest opportunities lies within the clinical world uh, for compounding, and and specifically in consultation services, is if you undertake a, a functional medicine approach, you can see that you can actually integrate so many different parts of the practice. But but specifically to your question, Mike, um, yeah, always in January, you always see that happen. Um, usually it's also the, there, there's three specific times that we see, January, New Year's resolutions, usually mid-March, end of March, where people are start thinking about like, oh, I got to get ready for the summer and I, I really want to change. And then, yeah, closer to closer to uh, end of summer, hey, I got I, I want to be ready for my for the fall. But when you're talking about uh, micronutrients, uh, functional medicine, testing, all of those pieces, I look at it as every single day. Every single day, there's a patient who's going to walk in and say, I've been diagnosed. I'm pre-diabetic. Um, my doctor has told me I've got to lose 20 or 30 pounds. I am being told that I have high blood pressure. Uh, I'm a candidate for metabolic syndrome. I have uh, I have hormone imbalances. Every day, the population gets older. Every day, the population is getting closer to uh, to hormone imbalances. And so we see them at every day, every opportunity. So... I kind of, I kind of always take the, the, the patients who are walking and saying, I have a new resolution. New Year's is, is just a, it's a small segment compared to the pharma, the overall pharmacy population that's walking through the door. So now to continue, sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but, um, in the direction of, of how we can actually get people started on this one is know what tests are available so that you can actually test your patient population assessment, testing. Um, review recommendation, and that's that's effectively what I what I would always recommend to anyone who's who's looking at a patient. How do I treat them? Where do I start? Well, what what is their issue? Well, can you confirm that with tests? Uh, functional medicine approaches. We never give hormones without actually testing to ensure that that's the appropriate course of action. And within the pharmacy world, you have to follow a medical paradigm. We, we have to be careful that we're not making recommendations without the full picture. Uh, if you've ever heard anyone in the A4M world, they will tell you, you must test before you prescribe. And that goes for physicians. And I would double that statement down for pharmacists. We can make recommendations, but without the appropriate testing and without having the full picture, you could be exacerbating a condition, you could be intensifying a, a condition, you could actually be driving a patient off the bus pretty, or in a bus off the cliff pretty quickly. So regards to testing, always, 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 um, if you can, hormone test. One of the things I think you're more interested in, spe specifically for the nutritional aspect, is uh, doing, doing micronutrient testing. You can actually do that through a number of labs that we're affiliated with. Please give us a call. We can talk through them. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, call me directly. Certainly happy to share that information. Um, but getting a micronutrient test, it's a saliva test. You can actually see what micronutrients they're, they're low in. And then that's where I would always start. Nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. Fix the nutrition. Fix the gut. Heal the gut. Make sure that it's working appropriately. Making sure micronutrients and uh, there's no depletion in the system. And once you've done that, you can actually see some of the symptoms uh, symptoms that the patients are complaining about resolving. 
this is a this is this is funny A4M, but I always think of Dennis Dennis Wong, and he says he won't touch hormones or make recommendations on hormones until they've done at least three to six months of nutritional variance, as well as fixing the gut and making sure that their micronutrients and uh, supplements are in order. Generally, because it it will significantly reduce the need for all of the the drug interventions once we've adjusted for all of those other health issues right away. Once you get the patient on board with that and they're feeling better within two to three months, then all of a sudden when we do make those interventions with drug therapy, making recommendations for individualized medicine, um, we can see this replicated across pain. We can see this replicated across HRT, uh, male andropause. We can see this uh, amongst patients who are elderly and they're suffering suffering from um, signs of aging. Once we adjust for the nutritional deficits as well as nutritional excess, um, all of a sudden we can make great strides and our pharmacotherapy goes significantly further. Seb, you know what? That was great insight. I, I think you've provided us that 40,000 foot view. Um, you covered a variety of things um, that probably could entertain its own podcast uh, topic by topic. Uh, and it's obviously hard to get into the specifics. If I were to ask you, uh, what are the top three clinical pearls that you would focus on? Um, something to, to leave with our listeners, to leave potentially with our pharmacists for the year to start planning their approach to a, a much more consultative way to look at patients um, and obviously think about things in a slightly different manner. What are the top three clinical things that you would consider um, if you were to have a bunch of patients at your disposal right now? If I was to drop into a practice right now and and I could do this practically in in any site, I would I would look at the the emerging ones and the ones that I know that I'm going to get a huge amount of traffic and response to. Um, I I cannot overstress this one enough. Pain management is is on everyone's lips. The opioid crisis. How how can we resolve this? Is there an option or an alternative to opioids? Probably one of the biggest impacts that we can make as compounders is to utilize this, the compounding route as well as alternate drug management, individualized to the patient need. It, it, you know, you you could make such a difference in not only a single patient's life, but in a community, as well as how the entire practice model is being looked at. Um, I think that there's so much, not only opportunity to help, but there's so much opportunity when we're talking about uh, improving your consultative services. I know that HRT has been, has been huge for a long time. I think that there's more people who are dealing with pain and hormone dysfunction and it can be they can be interrelated you can actually see and it's it, it's actually kind of this paradigm shift where you're starting to see obesity is becoming a driver of obviously it's a driver of disease but you can actually get that into different disease states and you can actually see oh there's there's inflammatory uh, dysfunction happening over here and because of that you can actually see it impacting all these different systems um but me, right away, I'd be focusing on pain. There's just too much opportunity out there. And honestly, if you talk to pain patients, they, they, they have diaries about their pain days and they want to talk. 
And uh, a lot of them actually do have either resources available to them. And they're the walking wounded. They're just a huge, huge, huge group of people that really are underserviced. And if you can have the um, energy to, to put into them, you will get a thousand times out because you can help them so much. Number two, uh, one of the biggest practices that is underserviced is male, male uh, andropause. Half the population right there. They're, they're men. And if you start looking at the sheer numbers of patients that are underserviced, there's so, so, so much uh, that's now being pushed into them. And there's people who are doing marketing for you outside of compounding that they're already asking the questions. I'm sure you've heard the ad or seen something on Facebook where it's like, do you suffer from symptoms of low T? Well, you know what? It's not just as simple as slapping testosterone on people and screaming high doses and saying you'll be okay and pushing them off the cliff in metabolic syndrome. Uh, individualized care. Uh, testosterone is is part, 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 but giving too much of a good thing can lead to its own problems. And if you're educated and you are ahead of the curve, you'll actually find you will get patients who are referred to you that have been on too high of T and you can actually bring them back and give them back their life in a really positive way. And of course, can't go a single day without talking about naltrexone. If you're not doing naltrexone, you are spinning your wheels and it is wide open. Um, we are getting, we here at PCCA, uh, we're getting inquiries about where to find low dose naltrexone. How do we? How can this actually uh, fall into the practice? Um, how can you implement it? Every single one of our, every single one of our clinical PCD staff can share resources with you, but it's only becoming bigger, and this is going to become something that you're going to see more and more ubiquitously across uh, all all services. Is can low dose naltrexone help this patient? And if you're not educated, they're going somewhere else because chances are there's there's going to be someone out there who's going to find a way to help these patients. So and we want them to be you. Awesome. I, I feel like this was a continuation from our first episode because it gave us the opportunity to really get into more detail, but I feel we've also filled it up with a whole bunch of content, like I said, with, with doctors, with members, with um, experts in our field, talking about analytical testing, talking about the future of our business, talking about marketing and the financial side of pharmacy. And then this gave you the opportunity to kind of wrap everything together with a bow um, as a big present for 2019. <laughs> I, the, the problem is, and and probably you'll say it first, um, I do love to talk about all of this stuff. And I, I could probably talk about a, a single clinical piece for easily 45 minutes. But I would be I would be irresponsible not inviting someone who's got much much better clinical information with respect to that. I I cannot stress enough how much our membership is is driving this forward, and I'm learning from them. It's it's so exciting. Like I'm constantly learning. So that's that's probably going to be the best one. And I'm going to give a shout out to Brenda Yuzdebski specifically, and she said this: education is the fertilizer of your practice. And so the growth that you will see is letting people know what you know. And you, the, the best way to provide that is put up a sign and say, I'll listen to you talk about your problems, but you got to pay me. And it's, it's, it's a bit glib when I say that. But really and truly, consultative services, what you're doing is you're giving a patient an avenue to find resolution to their problems. And you might not be the only piece to that, but you'll certainly have more insight and you will give them the time to actually evolve and find the best resolution for them. Yeah, it's great, Seb. And like I, I've always seen you chomping at the bit, wanting to 
uh, to chime in on so many of these topics. And unfortunately, we're always cut for time. But this today gives you the opportunity to uh, to pretty much hog the mic, and and that's exactly <laughs> and, and that's exactly what we wanted, especially for all of our listeners out there. And I think it was a great opportunity for them to hear from you. Um, obviously, they heard from you in the first episode, but we've we've had this rotation of guests, and it was a great opportunity for me to sit down with you and. and kind of pick your brain again, but thank you for sharing your insight. And I know this is going to be a great episode for all of our listeners out there. For those of you that are members of PCCA and want to contact Sebastian directly, uh, we highly encourage you to contact our PCD department and request Sebastian as a consultant, and he'll definitely get back to you about any of the topics that he's covered on this podcast. For those of you out there that are not members of PCCA, and I know that we do have some followers that have tuned in from podcast to podcast and potentially want to learn more and might want to pick the brain of one of our consultants as well, just to find out more about what is available to them as a compounding pharmacy who doesn't have access to consulting. Um, and, and that is through our membership. And you can contact our membership team directly at membership at PCCARX.com. I encourage all of our listeners out there to visit our public site and to definitely sign up for our blog and last but not least, our podcast. Uh, it's important for you to stay up to date so you never miss an episode. Uh, thanks, Sebastian. I really appreciate you diving into this topic into much more detail. Kind of sets the tone for 2019. So thanks again. Thank you for, for letting me hog the mic. <laughs> uh, you did. And, uh, and I'm sure our listeners out there definitely appreciate it. But until next time, I'm Mike Delicio, and this is the Mortar and Pestle Podcast. Mm-hmm.